It has been approximately 20 minutes since your narrow escape from the Umbral Sea, clinging desperately to the side of Andromeda, an ancient moonstone dragon, sometimes called the Silver Star. That means that the various magical side effects of an unstable plane shift have worn off of you, and the silence over your group has nothing to do with your hindrances, and everything to do with the cold and the desperate tensing of your muscles. For 20 minutes, Savage Tempest has held on to Andromeda's leg with one hand and onto Owlin's leg with the other. <laughs> Owlin, dangling upside down, has hit both of his arms wrapped around a sphere of magical energy, and that sphere contains a nameless orc cleric. Next to Savage, Fox also holds tight to the pale scales overlaying Andromeda's mint green fur. Not two hours ago, Fox lost a leg in battle. Clutched surprisingly gently in Andromeda's great talent claw beneath where Fox and Savage are hanging is Larodith, the gravely wounded avatar of the goddess of trade and innovation, Oara. I need everybody to make a constitution save with a DC of 18. You don't need to tell me what you rolled. If you pass the DC of 18, you only take one level of exhaustion from this incredibly hardcore flight. If you fail it, that means below an 18, then you take two levels of exhaustion. Finally, as the noise of alarm bells, guard whistles, gunshots, and cipher-based magic fades, and the sight of the great walled compound constructed around the Umbral Sea is lost to the pre-dawn fog, Andromeda begins descending. You pass through the cloud line. You see beneath you the beginnings of a mountain range stretching to the south. The nearest mountaintop is made of two great pedestals of stone and moss, divided by a small valley in which a number of climbing plants grow and a small flock of wild animals graze. Andromeda, too wide to fit her whole body into this ravine, comes to a controlled stop on one of the flats above, gently extending one leg into the ravine so that you can all dismount safely onto a bed of wild flowers, weeds, and other climbing plants. Once each of you is back on the ground, the Silver Star very carefully opens her talons and sets a frail-looking humanoid woman on the ground. If you squint just right, you can sort of recognize this creature as the A2 woman you spoke with in her dream in the last session. The dark, short-cut hair has grown long and matted over three years of captivity, and her already skinnier-than-normal body has become decidedly skeletal from malnourishment. She's missing the long, curved wings that make the A2 so distinct, and yet, as Larodith reaches up to adjust her large square spectacles knocked askew during her flight, you catch a glimpse of her intelligent amber eyes and you know for certain that this is the avatar you spoke to not half a day ago in a dream. She sits in a daze of exhaustion or shock or both, looking down at a collection of Jebediah Peppermint's things sitting in her lap. There before you is the familiar rucksack, the small blunderbuss pistol, the larger rifle that Jeb called Big Boy, and even, you realize with a shock, the Rod of Intelligence. The only thing that didn't make the flight is Jeb. This high in the mountains, it doesn't matter that it's late summer. Winter has come to four guys' ventures and vibes. The wind rushing through the ravine laughs and howls and snaps at your heels. As the sunrise begins to tinge the gray clouds an ominous bloody red, a red that begins to fall as cold mountain rain. A large crunch sends a jolt of surprise through each of you and your head snap to the left and you see that Andromeda has snapped up one of the wild beasts whole, reaching into the ravine with her long draconic neck and sending the rest of the herd stampeding away from you, all mud and thunder fading away like the last echo of a blunderbuss. Then, curling into a resting position on the stone flat above, Andromeda lays down in such a way that she can hang her head towards your group to hear and possibly partake in your conversation. And she waits, like the rest of us, to see what you will do. Owlin gets down 
on a knee next to um, Laredeth and just like immediately like looks down at Jeb's things and looks up at Laredeth wide-eyed and says, Where, where is he? Tell, tell me, what, what happened? Where, where's Jeb? She leans back against the plants climbing up the wall behind her. She looks up at you and she says, He fell behind. What? How, how, I don't, how did that happen? He was there. He was on. He summoned a, a creature. We were, we were climbing or swimming, whatever, diving. We were, we were rising in the water. And just as we were nearing the surface, he vanished. He, he let go. He slipped off. He fell back into the water. All right. Then we, we got to go back for him. I... She begins kind of looking through the things in her lap, still, like, not kind of processing. She, you know, sets down his blunderbuss, looking even tinier than it already is now that Jeb is not there to hold it. The thing is barely the size of Alan's palm. Sets it down on the ground. She holds out his longer rifle to Alan. I, He left me these. Alan's immediately going to, like take the rifle, kind of set it aside, and even start, like, digging through Jeb's other things. Like, no, no, he's, he planned for this. I know, I know he did. And he's, he's gonna, like, just, like, searching for any sign of, like, there's, like, a note or something that's, like, signaling, like, maybe Jeb has, like, somehow shrunk himself. Like, he's just, like, there's no way. Jeb always has a plan. He's somewhere in here, or there's an indication of where he is. Soth will also start going through all of the stuff, too, frantically. Guys, we don't have time for this. We, we gotta... Thunder rolls in the distance as a pile begins accumulating of Jebediah's things. You come across the, you know, the, the wolf rod, his amethyst lodestone that he uses to fly. You find his spell book, which I'm sure Alan is conscientious enough to not leave in the rain. Mm-hmm. You come across his key to the cipher truck, his ring of protection. The, one of the last things you see in there is the bundled up cloak that circles war. Um, Mm. you pull out that cloak and wrapped in it as if circles maybe would protect it when Jeb couldn't. There are four parchment letters and they are addressed to Owlin, to Fox, to someone named Zothkug, whoever that is, (laughs) and one that just says to whoever may find this. Owlin's going to like hold the the cloak up, like kind of try to hold it over everyone and kind of try to like hand out the letters um, just to keep them from getting wet. Um, mm. But he's just going to, like, silently, like, just hand one to each party member. Fox crawls over under the the cloak. <laughs> um, okay, so this must be part of the plan, then. I, I, I have to assume that, they, that we're going back. Yeah, I think these are instructions for, for from Jeff. Right, you know, he's telling us what to do. Let's go. Let's read. To whomever ends up reading this. My name is Jebediah Peppermint, citizen of Tumbleweb, son of Erling Peppermint, son of Cole Peppermint. If you're reading this, the fate of Urida lies solely in your hands. Please do everything in your power to bring this wingless woman to the four guys Adventures and Vives headquarters in Gaim. Her safe arrival is of the utmost importance in my last wish. Enclosed are letters to my co-workers of Four Guys Adventures and Vibes. Please ensure that they are delivered as well. They will know what to do with her. Thank you. Jebediah Peppermint. 
Dear Zoth, if you're reading this letter, I have been either killed or captured by the Avalis, and I'm sorry for what you might be feeling right now by discovering this. I know that out of all of us, you feel things the deepest. Your love is stronger, but your pain is harder. This is your gift, even if it is also your curse. You're the glue that holds us all together. I need a favor from you. I need you to not come after me until Laredith is safe. It's essential that she survive. She's the only one who knows where the spell can be cast, and she needs to survive with a, enough power to hollow the ground. Fox will refuse to abandon me because I mean too much to him. Alan will refuse to come get me because he's already worked out the gravity of the situation. You will need to break the tie. It's not fair that this choice falls on you, but it's just the hand you've been dealt. I'm sorry. Please, let me go for now. The souls of everyone who passes on depend on it. Your rod buddy, Jeb. Dear Alan, if you're reading this, you know that I tried every single thing that I could think of, and even a few that I didn't, to get back to you guys. I'm a pretty smart guy, but you've always been the brains of this operation, which is why everything I'm about to write, you probably already know. The guys are going to be scattered, divided, and directionless after realizing that I'm gone. It's time. It's time for you to step up and take the reins. They need focus, perspective. You do that better than anyone. You need to take Laredith somewhere safe. She's essential. She's the key. If it's not possible to rescue me, or if I'm dead, I want you to have the Rod of Intelligence. The backside of this letter contains a detailed description of my experience when my mind was in the Rod. Be prepared. The price is time, and that is a scarce commodity. I also entrust Big Boy and my grandfather's blunderbuss to you. Use them as you see fit, but when this is all over, please give the blunderbuss to my wife Holly. I'd like to keep that one in the family. Thanks for being my friend, and someone I can talk nerdy stuff with. I'll miss our conversations about weave theory and artificery. Your friend, Jeb. P.S. Please don't tell the others I said this, but... I'm scared, Alan. If the Abolists get a hold of my mind, they'll know absolutely everything. They'll know about the spell, the cipher truck's abilities, the tactical answer I gave the King of Udril, the location of Garwell, Setonia, and Thraxenau, the location of our headquarters, every advantage we have. They'll know it. But what scares me the most is that they might make me hurt you guys. They might make me hate you. I don't want to... Dear Fox, organize your pack for Pete's sake. Like seriously, it's a disaster in there. Those things in your pack could save a life. It's important to know what you have. Remember to practice your spells. I found that doing it early in the morning when the air is cool helps clear the mind. Brush your teeth twice a day. If you can't figure out how to work a toothbrush, talk to Alan. He was working on a thing that could help. Well, there I go again. Talking about everything except what really matters. Fox, as I sit here in this pocket dimension, 
with the smell of blood in the air and a ticking clock in my head, I've learned two things. One, smooth jazz was a poor decision. And two, it's you guys who are going to change the world, not me. I once overheard my grandpa tell my dad that every father's deepest desire is to see his children outdo him. I think about that a lot, pup. Anyway, I'll be fine. If you see a lightning bolt in the sky, that's probably just me blasting my way back to you guys soon. So keep your chin up, listen to Zothka, stand tall on your own two feet, and show them who's boss. I'm proud of you. Jeb. And you know what that means. It means that on a more somber note than perhaps ever before, it is story time at the Wing Badger Tavern. And we'll be right back. The feels! Sinir. Gontos. Kotex. Awara. Long ago, the four ancients created a world in harmony. Then, everything changed when the chat ebbed magic. Only Kelmore, master of good vibes, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. Two years have passed, and four adventurers have discovered a conspiracy, a company selling magic. And although their roleplay is great, they have a lot of XP to earn before they're ready to save anyone. But I believe they can save the world. Let's meet our players for the evening. We're going to start on the top left and work our way across. How's it going, guys? My name's Sir Tsev. I play Savage Tempest. Um, I This is about to be... I'm already a little emotional after hearing all that, so... The rest of this episode is probably going to follow. We shall see. I am Jake, and I play Alan Wadrier, the Azamar Barbarian Artificer, who, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't need to elaborate more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Trevor. I play Big Guy, the Orc Cleric. Uh, it's, it's, it's truly a, a feels kind of episode, I think. And, uh, hello, I, uh, I'm Matt, I play, uh, Fox, and, uh, this is gonna be one of those episodes where I cry again, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And I'm Josh, your Wing Badger Game Master. It felt weird to play the hypey music after the intro we had, so I didn't put any music under the intros. Without further ado, let's get back to the table. What's everyone doing? So, who's this other letter for, guys? I assume he must have miswritten your name or something. I mean, it has to be you. You're the only other one. Yeah, I, I, I think that makes sense. But or it could be Savage. I, I mean, if if we no, uh, listen, this isn't the time to figure this out. We gotta take care of this, right? Because like, we just got back. It's only been twenty minutes. If we hurry. I'm, I'm sure we can get back and do something about this, right? Al, Alan's going to kind of roll up his letter, put it in his pack, and stand up and just kind of, like, look at Fox and at everybody and just kind of take a deep breath and look almost like he's kind of, like, convincing himself of something. And then I, I don't... I don't think that's a good idea. Jeb obviously sent all of his possessions with Laredeth. 
he he wants Laredith to be letters. safe. Get her he wants, to safety. Exactly. He wants Laredith to be safe. We just got out of there by the skin of our teeth, mind you. And and we have no idea where he is, what the Aboleths are doing with him, um, or how to even get back in. We caved that entire cavern in. There's there's no use going back. There's nowhere for us to go. And I, I don't know about you guys. I'm also lacking in any sort of ability and resources in order to fight yeah, at but the moment. We always figure something out, right? Like, so does Jeb, and Jeb would, you know, you know, you we all know. And Alan will kind of like look at Savage and then kind of go, "Well, I guess we don't all know." But <laughs> Jeb planned for everything, and obviously, this was his backup plan. And I, I, they, if the Aboleths have Jeb in the way that we can almost 100% assume that they do, it's extremely likely that they know everything. And that means we need to move as fast as we can to get Laredeth to safety, to warn Garlel and our other allies that they are in danger, and that they need to be moved. And and just communicate that our current cover is compromised. And that we need to think tactically about our next move after getting Laredith to safety. One of us needs to do something. I don't... I, Al, Alan's going to kind of like put his hands out like... I don't think any of us are in any shape to do anything at this moment. And he's going to look at Savage and say I uh, and I uh, completely appreciate your help and if you have we paid you Alan's like his brain's frazzled like have have we compensated you yet I don't remember whether we did that earlier believe, or whether I believe after everything that we've been through Savage is just going to sit back because he is indeed exhausted after holding on to a talon with one arm and, another, and a human being with another <laughs> wasn't aware of this. He is very exhausted and he's just going to sit down and just say, I don't think this payment is necessary anymore after what we've been through. This is something I, a lot bigger, it seems. I, I truly apologize for thrusting you into the middle of this. We really did think it would be more of a smash and grab. Um, I think fate just steered me in this direction and it definitely has taught me quite a bit of things. We did sure. smash and grab, it just took a lot longer. <laughs> That's that is all fair. Right, um, all right, quick. I, uh, all right, so Savage, uh, you you can come with me. Um, Alan, I'm, uh, maybe Fox, you can create Fox. like a, a backpack thing I can Zoth sit comes in. Up and to I Fox and just no. just holds him. Fox, worry about yourself for once. You're you're missing a leg, man. Like, are you okay? That's what the the the. So the backpack's for. Savage is gonna hand him his rifle, so like, so he can use it as like a stilt for now while he's hanging there. Foxman, we need, we we can't just go back there. Not in the condition any of us are. Look, look around. We're all completely drained of everything. Going back there is is certain death. All right, then uh, tomorrow, we'll 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 camp out, and we'll. We'll go back tomorrow. That gives Alan enough time to make a backpack that Savage can wear that I can sit in and I can 
I can shoot out the back. That 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 that, that um that helps with my mobility issues and and Zav just just holds holds Fox like squeezes him. Fox, I I believe I I firmly believe that we will find a a solution for your issue right now or in in the near future, but at this moment I think we have a couple of priorities to take care of. Alan's going to look at Laredeth and say, do you have any allies that you firmly trust and know where they would be located that we can hide you with? I assume Jeb caught you up to speed on all the other aspects of our mission. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of time, um, so we didn't talk a whole lot except about the immediate plan. That's fair. But he mentioned the, uh, Gar, or maybe you mentioned Garlel in the dream. Yes. Um, so I, I can kind of extrapolate from existing data. She kind of straightens her spectacles again even though they're already straight. <laughs> this seems to be a bit of a nervous habit of hers. I... Where are we? She looks up at Andromeda who looks back down and goes, You are at the northern tip of the Gaiman Mountains. If you follow this ravine to the south, you will eventually come across some of the reservoirs that feed the drinking water for the city-state of Gaim. If you go north, you will cross some desert and then find yourself back at the Umbral Sea. She looks back, Laredith looks back at Alan. I knew Salen, the Queen of Gaim, long ago. We've not spoken in a while, but we were on positive terms, I, I helped her solve a very significant problem regarding a war between the Drow and the Hematicians. Hmm. And I think we can rely on her uh, for asylum in the, in the immediate future. That is good to hear. Our base of operations is actually headquartered in Gaib. And we are... Well, if the if the Aboleths have, have access to the mind of your friend, then they will know that too. So it seems like maybe it would be best for you to go and check on that and perhaps even move it. That that seems fair to me. I, I believe a priority would be moving our Gaim base of operations, um, coordinating safe asylum for you, you know, looking at Laredeth, um, and warning Garlel and Alan, like, still kind of frazzled and kind of, like, thinking about like okay uh who else do we need to warn that their position is compromised and he'll kind of like uh and and is there anyone else we need to tell we need, we i guess we would need to warn the king that his uh his his operate his military operations may be compromised his plans um is there anything else well how how is how's jeb not a priority on that list well i i i believe that he is but i i believe that how is he not number one I, I, Alan's like is kind of like head in hand and just kind of trying to explain what he's what he's trying to say. I, he he's he is high on the list. I just believe that we need to act on the things that we can control now and that we know are we know are in danger far away from us. After we can get those things and set those things in motion, then we can focus on Jeb. What does this key go to? Asked Laredith. Uh, that is the key to our vehicle of transportation. Ah, oh, and then that one's gonna kind of be like, where is where where is the cipher truck? Where did we leave? The more reason we need to go back. Speaking as your DM, the last 
uh, place that the cipher truck was, you stashed it behind the fallen peak of Zanir. Yeah. Um, about maybe a four-hour cart ride from the compound. Doesn't mm. it have an auto fe- auto track feature? It does, but it's range limited. Oh. But, but, <sighs> all right. Um, How good is the lock? Uh, good. <sighs> we, we need to go back then. Because uh, that's one of the things that's compromised, right? Like, we do need the cipher truck. That is, that is fair. If they can't get in, I, I maybe it can. I wait. don't, I don't know. I don't. Can we be flown back because, to because it? What? Because the question is, would you really want your valuables to be sitting for a period of time? I mean, what is it? It's just a bunch of wingle digits. Like I'm. I I don't. What what is on there that is. Super. I, I I really don't know that it's a good idea to go back for anything. You did also make sure in that session to say you hid it. You didn't just like park it somewhere. So yeah. it is hidden yeah. in some way, and it's lead lined, so divination magic wouldn't work on it. I believe. I I personally recommend we we do not go back for the cipher truck, and we do not go back for Jeb right away. <sighs> we need to rest, recover, take care of the things that need to be put in motion. I mean, and then think about the next step. Fox kind of pushes big guy away a little bit. I mean, come on, we we jumped off a mile high cliff. All right, we've we have fought the Aboliths before and lived. Alan is gonna point, like. He, Alan points at Fox's leg, and this is where we are, and this is where we are, pointing at Jeb's empty belongings, and this is where we are. He he throws his hands up in the air. We need to think, and we need to act not rashly. We have gotten this far by the skin of our teeth because of the well-thought-out actions that... But how am I going to get much every further? Time we to- every, time we took a- every time we took a risk like that, it worked out barely. And I, th- and I personally believe the only ta- reasons it worked out barely is because Jeb was thinking two steps ahead of where we were thinking and we trusted him and now he is gone and we don't have that person right now we Maybe don't have part of his the plan. person who took care of that hey the part of his plan alan will like pull out the, his letter his plan is for us to take care of this we we he's we have to take care of Lairdeth. Then we think about the next step. He, he recognized that there are bigger things than him, and he wants to ensure that the success of our original mission. Listen, I, it's, it's four guys, ventures, and vibes. And I, I mean, I'm not going to get much further as I am right now. You're, what are we going to do without him? We just have to take it one step at a time right now. And oh, one step at a time! Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna <laughs> turn away and just pitifully try to stomp, but I'm not because I'm crawling away. <laughs> Sorry. Zoth is gonna walk over to Fox and, like, pick him up and help him, like, like walk away. Get, get off of me! Yeah, push big guy away. Fall back into the mud. Keep crawling. Alan is going to turn to Andromeda 
Um, I'm I'm sorry about all of this. Um, what what are your next steps, Andromeda? Is there any chance we can enlist your aid any further here, or do you have other things you need to attend to? I need to speak with the summer and winter courts in the Feywild to keep them aware of what's happening here and mm-hmm. hopefully persuade them to break their long-standing tradition, which, by the way, we don't really break tradition in the Fey, but I'm going to try and convince them to send some aid, but I could perhaps make that trip via Thraxenhaus domain if you wanted me to carry a message. We could have Laredith go there. That, that... Alan's going to look at, at Laredith as well. That is an interesting idea. Um, she does not look to be up for a long journey. That is Laredith has fallen fair. asleep, okay. slumped back against the cliff. That is also fair. I believe at least delivering a message would be extremely helpful. And then this is Jacob asking, uh, so Thraxen House domain is where Garlel is too, yes. correct? And he's okay. like the whole like west end of yeah, the continent, so he's far. way far away. Okay. Um, yes, uh, delivering a letter addressed to Garlel would be extremely helpful for us. I would be very grateful. I will do um, it. What is the and message? Then Alan will pull out um, his notebook and his charcoal and once again using Circle's cloak kind of like shield himself from the rain and, and write down just like a, a, I don't know if do you want me to specifically word it out but it's basically a you letter of warning. You can write it for me like after okay, the cool. session. Um, okay cool. But yeah so you write a letter to yep, Garlel. It's, a, it's for Garlel the intent being hey um, all of the things that we've talked to you about and you've talked to us about have been compromised to the Aboleths. Um, consider repositioning or fortifying your position like you're, you're, you and the people around you are not safe right now that's basically and he'll hand that to um, Andromeda she takes the letter and for just the briefest flash you think she's going to turn back into a human because that's how people would normally roll letters before realizing that that kind of magic doesn't do anything in this world and so she uh, like with her talons does her best job like best attempt at kind of rolling up this small parchment before she looks back at you and says will you make this a roll so that I can tuck it underneath one of my scales uh, yes and Alan will take it and roll it up and give it back thank you and then she tucks it away in the scale and she like without a word or a moment or a weight or anything she just launches into the sky with um, like purple and black sort of stardust falling from her wings as she launches and she is fast like you you've never really had an opportunity to see a dragon move at speed before because Garlel was like weak as all crap when you found him Um, she is out of view in like three blinks of an eye she's gone um, soaring to the um, soaring to the west as she takes your message and leaves. And now there are the four of you on the hilltop in the rain. Oxman, we we have to to keep moving forward with everything. We have so much we need to do, so many people. Listen, big guy, I just need 
space, all right? Just leave me alone for a bit, okay? Five, just five minutes. Can you do that for five minutes? Savage so is gonna start, uh, I'm gonna build a uh, shelter real quick of some sorts. If we're just right, gonna man. stick around well, for the time being. Sure, go ahead and roll um, a survival check. If your shelter is good enough, um, I'll let you half the time of a short rest. So you can get a short rest in 30 minutes okay. instead of a full hour. Um, 20. <laughs> Natural 20? Nice. No, I got 17, okay. so plus yep. 3 is 20. Easy peasy. Uh, so you construct, with, with the ravine like already providing walls on two sides, it's pretty easy to like kind of weave together some plants to make like an actual structure and even get a fire going inside it. You're, you're kind of an expert woodman. And so you, you get that worked out and there's, it's, it's not comfy, but it's not not comfy. And so you all have a space to short rest and you may gain it, the benefits of okay. a short rest. And it's, uh, but not, it's not good enough for a long rest quite. Not unless you're going to spend eight hours there. Okay. How far did she say Gaim was from here? She didn't actually say how far it is. She just said it's to the south of you. But okay. this, this mountain range is maybe 120 miles in total to the south. You're at the very top of it. And Gaim is like maybe 60 or 70 miles south of here so that's probably like two days if you're walking at okay. least with the wounded you know you could maybe do it yeah. faster if you didn't have wounded but alan is going to kind of sit down next to laredith in the shelter um start examining jeb's things you know instead of rifling through them like he was before he's going to like take some time He's going to hold the, you know, the blunderbuss in his hand. Um, he's going to kind of like... In the past, Alan would examine the blunderbuss with, like, wonder and curiosity. And now he's just looking at it with a sadness. Um, and he kind of looks up and he sees Zoth and Fox kind of across the ravine. And he's gonna like kind of like lean over to Savage and say, I, I think I don't I don't know about you, but I need I need a full night's sleep, do you I I think if we're able to, I would like to just continue to make camp here for as long as we can. Does that does that work? Savage is gonna raise his hands as they're still sort of shaking a little bit. And yes, I, I fully agree. And I, I think we still need to get some more firewood and let it dry out because mm. it's still raining and downpouring right now. So, uh, big guy, um, just just doesn't want to to leave anyone alone at the moment. So he'll continue following Fox, but he'll like hold his jacket over Fox uh, to protect him from the rain, like an umbrella. But he won't say anything. Um. Big guy, can't you leave anybody alone? Alan, Fox, and Zothkug, each of you have an inspiration for the, the role play as far as just taking on the moment there at the beginning. And Thanks. also, oh. who, uh, Savage or Alan, whichever of you is going to get firewood, roll survival with a DC of 8 to um, collect enough wood basically to make it through the night, like to find enough dry wood or wood that will dry out fast enough. Alan will we'll go ahead and do that since since uh, Savage made the shelter. Cool. He needs to up and move in. Oh my gosh! And I uh, wait. What does inspiration do? Can I add you something to a roll? Inspiration you gives you a free advantage. Let's go! I spent it. Okay, sweet. Fifteen. <laughs> Great. Um, so yeah, you find enough firewood to keep it going through the night, 
And those of you who have any levels of exhaustion, remember that you lose one for every long rest. So at the end of the yep. night, or really the end of the day, it is dawn right now. Um, the sun is kind of peeking, you know, golden hour peeking through the rain at you at the moment. What did I you say good. last, Matt? I didn't catch your last. Oh, it's like, can't you, can't you leave anyone alone, big guy? I, you're, you're literally hovering over me. If you I, look at him, you just see like tears streaming down. Just drop me the cloak. I'll sit here for a second. I'll be back. Okay, please. He, he drops the cloak, gives you a hug, and he says, no one should be alone going through this. I'll be here whenever you need me. Thank and you, big starts, guy. He starts walking back. When, uh, when Zoth, or when big guy, haha, uh, <laughs> when big guy gets back, Alan will kind of like let him know, like, uh, I, I think we're going to try to get a full, um, oh, thank you. Full, full rest here, full night's rest, even though I guess it's getting to I daytime. Literally nothing left. I used everything in our encounter. Yeah, um, kind of same here. Um, tomorrow. And, uh, is, is Fox coming as well, or? Yeah, he has to process. I think, you know, he was in the denial stage of, of grief where, you know, I think we've accepted it, so. Okay. Um, um, tomorrow. He'll, he'll probably get the message. And I can okay. cast sending um, six times if we need it, so we can mess, get a mess, quick message out to whoever we need to. I guess it depends on how far the, the weave reaches. Um, yeah, and Alan's gonna when he says that he's gonna eye the um, and just kind of look at it uh, kind of like something he doesn't want to touch um, a rod of frosted iron yep um, so Alan will Alan will, will, will kind of in a way, like sort of like take the worst first watch in the sense of he's gonna wait until Fox gets back to okay. like let him know, hey, we're gonna rest, and and so that way Fox is up to date. Zoth uh, is gonna make some tea. Okay, Alan, roll perception for me, taking into account whatever levels of exhaustion you have as the sort of lookout for this this watch. Yep. And um, chat has granted a boon so as you're sort of settling in the rain begins to trickle and then eventually die out entirely as the sun kind of breaks the clouds up the warmth of the sun kind of spreads the clouds apart so now it's just wet but it's not raining i got a 12 perception okay what time of the day is it real quick it's early morning okay between eight and nine Fox, take us into Fox's situation here. What's going on for him? Fox uh, has crawled until he has found a little nook against a tree uh, just before the rain had quit. Um, and he's kind of just in the nook. He's covered himself with the cloak, staring off in the distance, curling up a bit, you know, in the with one leg. And just processing the the weight of what has just happened and that he can't go back, especially on his own. 
So he's kind of grieving in his own way. Um, and he's feeling vulnerable and feels like he's regressed a little bit. Um, and kind of just wants to be on his own for a bit. Um, so I, I think Fox will kind of try to harden up. You know, he's feeling that he's failed his team, you know. Maybe if he was just a little quicker. Uh, maybe, maybe if he hadn't lost his leg. Maybe if he had just done something differently. Jeb would be there. They... They wouldn't be in this crazy state, and it wouldn't have just turned everything upside down. And he's feeling like somehow he's to blame for for this. And, you know, he's kind of just slowly condensing upon himself. He's rubbing a tree stump, uh, a tree branch or root thinking it's his leg as pain kind of filters down through his brain where his leg should be and he's just he's just exhausted and he just he just falls asleep in this nook I think if if Alan can see Fox that if he if it appears that he's fallen asleep Alan's gonna like kind of like acknowledge that if he can with his 12 perception yeah alan notices that um and we actually are about to cut back to alan and the the watch here um i'm going to add a die to the tension pool to represent the passage of time but nothing of note happens that alan can see the sun continues its climb into the sky you know we're approaching maybe 10 o'clock maybe even 11 nearing midday the top of the mountain is still you know, especially in this ravine, that same cool uh, sort of crisp breeze blowing across and, and taking what should be late summer warmth and turning it into like maybe a good day for like the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and the wind's got a lot of bite to it. But luckily, Savage has built a, a shelter that is, you know, woven tightly enough that it doesn't get through the walls. And so you're you're pretty warm in there. Um Unless uh, someone else is taking over the watch, like, I, or is there a handover of the watch? Is Alan just gonna kind of go into a rest? What's yeah, what's Savage happening? Savage can in jump in there. Yeah, Alan, Alan will kind of tap on Savage lightly and let him know that it's kind of been a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. and then he'll kind of like, like you know, let him know. Like, I, I think um, if for the next watch, if we need to do another shift, I would get get Zoth Fox over there. Seems pretty wiped out. Oh, big guy. Sounds good. Maybe he's going to get up ring a little bit, uh, stretch his back, uh, and step back over. Uh, big guy w- uh, would have made sure that there was like a full pot of tea before he went to bed on the fire, and he would have just left it there for everyone to use as as oh, needed. Savage is definitely going to grab a, uh, a quick um, little cup of tea before he heads over to the watch spot. Savage, as you're sipping your tea, um, you're also going to roll me a perception check as the lookout for the group here. All right, well, I got a natural 20, so... Nice. Yeah, you did. Eagle eyes. 
Um, Savage, you see all, you know all. Uh, <laughs> you are, you know, you you can hear the individual rhythms of each person breathing as they rest. You are pretty accustomed to keeping watch for yourself in the wilderness. <laughs> and you a couple of times hear the clip clopping of, you know, wild goat hooves and things like that, but nothing that gives you any concern. They're just sort of, you know, there's some nature up here on the top of a mountain where there's no civilization. And so every now and then, you know, the different wildebeests come by at one point you notice a, an elk kind of wander through, it passes your shelter and it leans down and it like sniffs Fox to try and figure out what he is. Fox doesn't even stir as this elk, you know, just takes a big old sniff, decides he's not that interesting and continues clip clopping on its way. I'm going to add another tension die to the pool for the passage of time. And you make it through the whole day pretty much with nothing of note happening. So we get to the end of your long rest. It's about an eight hour period, which would take us from eight in the morning to about four in the afternoon. So the sun hasn't quite hit sunset yet, but it's making its way down towards the horizon. And uh, the first person to really wake is Fox. Fox, you are awoken by something soft on your little wound. I say little, you know, the, the wound where your leg is missing. That's not little. But little you, are, you are awoken by a small sort of pressure on that wound. You look down and there is a, like a, a wild cat is licking it, like trying to clean it. Um, Fox is going to freak out initially and try to kick it away with a leg he doesn't have. Um, and after realizing that he doesn't have a leg, is just kind of going to sit there for a second. When you jolt into motion, it also startles the cat that kind of jumps back and it, you know, its fur kind of stands on end and it's, it's hackles raised and it just kind of looks at you for a little bit, kind of sizing you up. I take a sigh and I just kind of just lay back and look at this at i guess sunset right yeah is it uh yeah let's look at the sunset the sunset is beginning off in the distance you can see it the cat eventually when you don't move again it just like spooks and runs off um so it kind of scampers up the side of the ravine and and rushes off into the distance yeah, so that takes place. The rest of you begin to kind of stir and awaken, except whoever's taking watch. Um, probably Savage has handed off to um, Big Guy Big at guy. this point. So Big Guy's yeah. kind of sitting there taking watch. Yep. And that is the state of things. Those of you with uh, levels of exhaustion, remember you lose one level of exhaustion for each long rest. So you're feeling a little bit better. Awesome. Um, Big Guy got an 18 on the perception. Cool. Yeah, like I said, nothing... nothing challenging or dangerous happened to you during this rest the rain stayed away um you heard just like savage did you heard some different like wild beasts and such kind of go by but there was never any danger to the group um alan is going to when when everyone seems to be waking up he's going to go over to laredeth and first kind of make sure that she's um okay to stand up and okay to make those start the walking journey today um, he's, if she's awake, if she's yes, not yet awake, he's going to like tap her away. She's sitting there kind of re flipping through Jebediah's journal, looking at the different pages of, of his notes and things. Um, it's quite, it's quite interesting, isn't it? It's fascinating. He's discovered quite a few things. And quite, quite an interesting way of, of viewing the world. I will say the way he kind of just tries things. 
<laughs> and 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 just sees and writes it down. I admire it a lot. Yes, his grandfather was the same. We apparently met. Hmm, that is quite interesting. I helped design that, and she points at the small uh, pistol blunderbuss. He was ah. trying to make it and had some design issues, and it, it didn't work out. You probably didn't approach me to reminisce, did you? Are, you, are we ready to leave? Uh, yes, that's what I was um, making sure of, that you would be ready to make the journey today, and I, but next I'll, I'll go to Fox and, and kind of figure out logistics on, on whether he's able to start making the journey as she well. She straightens her glasses and uses the vine behind her to kind of help pull herself to her feet, and she says, yes, I, I can travel. Perfect. Um, Alan will kind of, uh, kind of like start gathering Jeb's things and um, specifically grab the things that Jeb mentioned in his letter to Alan, to for Alan to take care of. So the blunderbuss, and the um, and big guy, and the rod of intelligence. And what is um, your intelligence score? Oh shoot! Um, my intelligence score is sixteen. Okay, you grab the rod of frosted iron and it feels cool to the touch, um, but it does not feel inviting at the moment. Okay, Alan's gonna try to like um, put it on his belt next to his short sword sheath, um, kind of that sort of thing, loop it there, um, and then he's gonna put the blunderbuss in his pack and big guy, um, he will keep on him, like, like just holding... Um, and, uh, after he's kind of gathered those things, he's going to kind of like look to, um, Zoth and kind of like motion, like, Hey, uh, if you want to, two, I'm, ah, uh, he's going to look to big guy and, um, kind of motion like, um, you know, towards Jeb's things and kind of, you know, if, if, if you take what you can, I, I, I kind of have what he left for me in his note. Um, and then he's going to, uh, go to Fox and check on check on him. I'll I'll rummage through this stuff, see what's left and then um I what is left? The wolf rod, the lodestone amethyst, his spellbook, the key to the cipher truck and his ring of protection. Okay. He'll he'll put that all in the the pack and I'll put that in my inventory. Okay. Make sure it's reasonable for all that to fit in your pack. In particular, the, the wolf rod is, you know, that's like a whole foot long thing. Okay. Um, while you're looking into that, Alan, you walk over to Fox. Okay. Um, Alan's gonna... Is Fox awake yet? Yeah. Yes, yes, he is. Um, yep. Um, <laughs> Alan's gonna approach and uh, kind of kneel down next to Fox and kind of just like look at him and... How are you feeling? A little chilly. Um, woke up to a cat licking hmm. whatever I had left of uh, my leg. That sounds kind of unsanitary. You know, I didn't really think about that until you just said something. <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to make you think about something unpleasant like that. Well, I, I, no, because that's... Uh, probably want to make sure I don't have a, you know infection um so uh what's um what's the plan i as far as the the big picture at this moment is to get to gaim what i want to figure out right now is how to get you to gaim 
Um, I know, I, well, actually, out of character, I don't remember whether it was in the tavern talk or if it was in a session where we talked about the possibility of Shadow Walker becoming a leg. <laughs> um, I think that was in the uh, sh- uh, tavern talk. talk. Okay, but you can bring I, it up now. Okay. Um, <laughs> that you you did previously mention a uh, backpack or baby carrier style of idea yesterday. Um, I think that that could work um, for the short term, especially um, if you have any other other ideas on perhaps a makeshift leg or feel comfortable even using a makeshift leg in this terrain. I did have a thought regarding perhaps trying to use Shadow Walker. It seems as though Shadow Walker, in the cases I've seen you use it, um, can change form somewhat to your command. Is that is that correct? Let me find out if this would work. I grab the the hilt of Shadow Walker. Um, I'm like, hey, uh, hey, Shadow Walker, I got a I got a question for you. Speak to me. Um, <laughs> have we enemies to dispatch? Uh, in a manner of speaking. I thirst for the glory of battle. Um. So, how would you be up to the idea of helping me get to the battle? Do you need help navigating? I, um... I don't have a great sense of direction. I am a sword. The direction isn't the part that I would need. Um, I, I, I honestly need physical help navigating. Shadow Walker, I'm missing a leg. I'm missing a leg, Shadow yes, Walker. A scar of glory. Would do you think you could help in its place of being missing? Do you want to dig off the other leg for another scar of glory? No. <laughs> it Shadow would be better Walker. to earn your scars in the glory of battle. Best part is uh, I'm pretty sure all he can hear is me speak. Alan. Alan understands. He's seen yeah. he's seen uh, Fox use Shadow Walker before. He's just kind of sitting back and letting Fox reason with the magical blade. All right, all right, all right. Shadow Walker. In order for me to get more ba- battle scars and glory, I need to be able to stand on two legs. Yes. And perhaps while getting to the glory and the fighting, you could function as a support for me. Are you trying to turn me into a crutch? Shadow Walker ain't no crutch! Alan will, Alan will, uh, like, at, at, at Fox's, like, frustrated reaction to this, because he can hear what Fox is saying. He'll, like, yeah. kind of, like, lean into Fox and kind of whisper, maybe, maybe he would be interested in, like, the angle of you would be the most deadly leg that's ever existed. A leg as a weapon? No one's ever done that before. And Alan will kind of like shrug. <laughs> like, maybe it could work. Uh, did you hear that, Shadow Walker? Hear what? You, um, okay, so what? All right. Um, see, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you could hear other people talk or not. Um, good to Only know. Only those I have wounded. <laughs> I'm just going to nick. <laughs> nick Howland. Just a tiny uh, bit. I was, 
Ow! What, <laughs> what, was, what was that? <laughs> yes, glorious battle! <laughs> Ellen, take one no. point of damage as he like mix you with the with the dagger. It's like I a now dagger. Now you right can now. now you can hear him. Oh, uh, what? Well, I don't. Okay, Alan cannot hear Shadow just Walker. Just to clarify, Shadow Walker can oh. just hear Alan. <laughs> um, Shadow Walker, uh, something that I find very interesting about this predicament. There's an interesting opportunity presented to you here. You have the potential to be the deadliest leg to have ever existed. No other leg is also simultaneously a deadly weapon that can be wielded in battle. Um, just imagine how, you you know, Fox utilizing his dexterous acrobatic skills, he can just wreak havoc on the battlefield wielding you strapped to his stump leg um, as a deadly leg. That's quite an opportunity. But he just and? said that he had to be standing on two legs. So Not if he's standing always. on me, how can I participate in the glory? I thirst for battle. He can kick with you. It'll you be can't really hear cool. Him. Oh, dang it. <laughs> um, uh, did that work? Well, uh, oh, I guess you can't hear him. Um, listen, uh, well, if I kick with you, right, um, then you can turn into a sharp object. You know, the last second, or I could even do like a like a, a roundhouse kick, but like then you fly off. <laughs> And and stab somebody. Don't you think this is a new fighting style nobody's ever thought of? That this could be like your legacy as like this. You invented a brand new fighting style, and and you were the only one who made it possible. Alan's gonna give Fox a thumbs up. Like, yes. Okay, <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> Roll persuasion. With no changes to whether it has advantage or not. <laughs> well, it has disadvantage. So. Um, do, 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 do. 17. Nice. That was a plus 10 to persuasion. <laughs> nice. So what you are suggesting is that I have to help you limp around places. <laughs> but you will in turn use me as your primary weapon of choice. I've seen you throwing daggers and stuff. And that <laughs> prevents me from the opportunity to participate in glorious, glorious battle. So I, I promise... <laughs> That I will. It, it, all right, we make a deal. If you're willing to do this for me, because I I know that in between battles it may be seen as shameful to you. However, I don't think anybody would know. So, I mean, Al Allen might, but he Allen's he's very supportive of glory and blood. Um, <laughs> Allen will nod. <laughs> but you know, as a deal, I will only use you. As a weapon in battle. I accept the terms of this agreement. I will devour the souls of our foes. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm glad we have reached, and I'm going to wink at Alan, uh, an agreement. Um, okay, sweet. Do you want to um, try doing this now and see how you feel about it? How will I be affixed? Um, Al Alan's going to pull out ooh. his uh, his artificer's tools and some of his extra tinkering um t tinkering bits and say ah well i i i, I think we we can try some things perhaps i could be spring-loaded so that i can be flung into battle what, um, for glory and honor we'll, we'll 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 figure that out um in the meantime i'm gonna take like uh a piece of um string or rope and tie shadow walker to the side of my stump 
<laughs> does does this work? Roll sleight of hand to see how well you tie Shadow Walker to your stump. Why do we? Why do I have to fail that? <laughs> Can Alan assist? Sorry. He Hang wants on. to help. Well, I want to know good. how bad he failed. Okay. Um, so I rolled a seven, but then I remembered I have disadvantage because I had two levels of exhaustion and now only one. And now I rolled a nat one. Oh, no. <laughs> rolled a confirm. And it confirmed. <laughs> you, you're like, this will go great. And you tie the knot and you were like, you like hop to your feet like you would have with both legs. You have absolutely no practice using a prosthetic leg. You hop to your feet and not only do you have no practice with using a prosthetic leg, Shadow Walker is still shadowy, like has not formed into a leg yet because Shadow Walker wasn't ready for you to hop to your feet. So you jump to your feet and immediately collapse again. And in the fall, you dislodge the sword and you take 1d4 of damage which you may roll at your leisure um from the like impact to your wound like because it landed on the the amputation so uh, Ow! big guy uh would have finished packing stuff and wandered over to the group i could get everything except for the the wolf rod in my pack if someone else could carry that fox is oh. laying on the ground having just finished a fall <laughs> fox man what's going on i don't Worry about it, okay? You said Are nobody you okay? else would know. I said don't. That's why I said don't worry about Savage it. Savage is now going to walk over too. <laughs> I'll, What's I'll, up, guy? What's going on? Alan? Uh, Can you carry this, Brad? I, I will. Ad- don't worry about it. Oh, it's yes, part I, of I'm, our deal. I'm not worrying about it. Um, what I will say is, uh, I think this rod could be great for uh, Fox once we figure out his leg situation which we may need a bit of privacy alan's gonna like look at uh uh big guy and savage and kind of just like kind of motion a little bit like after this conversation if you guys could step back just a little bit we're gonna try to figure this out uh uh, but i believe that this could work as a great walking stick for uh for fox once we get him back on his feet it's it's only one foot long (laughs) uh or maybe a backup stump leg (laughs) (laughs) We'll figure something okay. out. I think Fox can take care of it. Alan will grab the, the the wolf rod and bring it over near Fox, and then kind of like yes. shoo shoo Savage and Zothkug back and look back at Fox. Like, all right, get do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so this time Shadow Walker, uh, y- you want to be solid when I when I do that. You just need to tell me when you're gonna stand up. I just wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm ready now though and the shadowy mist that normally forms a blade it's not like leg sized but it forms into almost like a wooden peg type type deal um, so it, it gives you a more firm something to stand on is this stump I, I just need to recall I believe it's above the knee but it yes it, is it yeah uh, okay <laughs> mad eye moody over here yep um, I will, uh, I'm going to look at, at, uh, Alan here. Like, can you, can you, um, can you, can you be ready to catch me this time? Just, just in case. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. And then Alan will kind of spot him. Um, I'm going to try to do that backflip kind of like hop up. Oh yeah. And what did you roll on your side? And see how that hand? goes. This time. 
Can Alan, have... Alan, Alan will, if, if he starts trying to tie the knot again, Alan will assist. This time I got a non-nat 20 after rolling the nat 20 and not being able to use it. Mm. Ouch. Uh, Alan, go ahead and roll just a, like a dex Me. to assist. Cause you're not, unless uh, you're trained in sleight of hand. No. Um, but because he has one level of exhaustion still, he did have to roll twice. And, uh, You'll never believe that I got a natural 20 and then a natural one. Wow. It is just to assist. So yeah, I mean, I we'll do just say it. you don't assist. We're not going to, yep. we're not going to move any further with that. Um, <laughs> Fox, you tie the knot this time. You like take your time. You're a little bit like, you know, the fall was very bracing. It woke you up. It got your mind a little bit. worrying back into, into gear here. You tie the knot with the expert roguiness that you are more accustomed to using and you do your kickflip and it works. The leg supports you. Um, nice. You have, 20 feet of move speed instead of 30 feet for as long as you use shadow walker in this way. Okay. Cause it, you know, it's a little bit of a hobble cause you don't have any yeah, yeah, to yeah. walk on, but um, that's better than, than 15. Right. Fox. As, as Alan's kind of spotting Fox, like as he kind of is getting his bearings, Alan will say, we'll, we'll figure out a more permanent solution perhaps with, and then he'll kind of whisper shadow walker <laughs> or, or with something else. Um, once we get to guy, yeah, I, I definitely um, am going to need a joint. Yes, I I, I have ideas that for that already. That seems like the big guy's thing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, Shadowwalker. I don't need your snark right now. <laughs> um, right. Once once Fox is up, Alan will kind of signal to Savage and big guy and Laredeth, like kind of give him like the thumbs up, like, all right, we're ready to go. And so the group sets off. D and D travel can be really boring, so we're not going to talk about it for very long. You <laughs> meander through the the Gaiman Mountains. You are heading south, and the path is not easy terrain. So there's a lot of picking your way over weird rock outcroppings. There are probably several falls and things like that. To simulate just the general hardship of a journey, I would like each of you to roll a Constitution save with a DC of 14. If you're if you fail this roll, just take a single d6 of damage to represent accumulated cuts, bruises, and scrapes from the travel. What this if is, you get a, a? What if you get a net one? You can double that damage. Um, <laughs> so d6 times two. Alan will have given Fox the wolf rod to put in his pack. By the way, also. The travel takes two days. I'm going to add two die to the tension pool to simulate them. I know it looks like there are five tension die on the screen here, but there are actually four because Grubbug has been on best bestie behavior. Let's and go. has eliminated one of them from the tension pool. So, we love best bestie behavior. Um, there are four die in the tension pool right now. As a reminder for any new viewers, we clear that at six to see if any complications arise in the narrative and in the scene. Um, as the... Second day, you're about halfway through your travel on the second day. Um, actually, let me back up. I need to clarify with you. Um, the first day, you're obviously traveling overnight because you slept all day. Are yep. you going to maintain that schedule or are you going to take, like, are you going to get yourselves back on a daytime travel schedule? Um, Alan will suggest to the group, I, I believe that we maintain our current sleep cycle until we reach Gaim and then we correct our sleep schedule once we are in civilization and shelter at this moment i think it, it it will be better just to like take the opportunity to sleep off um the fact that we are obviously still feeling quite hindered um, fox uh, brushes off all of the the mud he just got onto himself from the fall he just took <laughs> uh, Big guy I, will help him up i agree um that uh 
we might want to err on the side of caution. Yes. I, Is there I anyone so. you want me to to message while we're doing this? Well, I I, I, I we can attempt. So I, I'm trying to remember. Larida looks rules. at you and goes, "If you are attempting to use the weave contained in that rod to send a message, it will only reach however far that weave That's reaches." Right. You need to that pluck is, the strings what, of the weave itself to send a message in this way. That is what uh, I remember Jeb right. theorizing as well. Um, so I'm not no, sure. No, I've, I've tried it before. It didn't work. I remember now. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's. We've been through a lot the last couple of days. It's hard to remember things that happened more than 24 hours ago. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I, I I think that our best uh, we we'll 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 get in contact with Scalen Sons and contact other people that we need to contact once we reach Gaim. I think that that will be the best bet. Uh, okay, so you continue traveling at night. The second night, as you are traveling, Fox, you are the first one to pick up the signs of an ambush. You notice several mm. snares and a net hidden beneath some foliage on the path and things like that, things of that nature, basically. They're like hunting traps, but they're big enough for like humanoids and such. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Guys... Slow down. Um, Shadow Walker? This may be the glory of battle part. I love that. Send me into battle. Let our if, foes tremble. If Fox has pointed out these traps, Alan's going to like go over to Savage and ask him, do these look familiar to you? Do these have any identifiable characteristics? These almost look like something that my parents... Uh, um, companies used to use back then when it came to getting high value targets that they knew would go on walks or would mm. be transport, uh, being transported in between uh, kingdoms. So oh, as you can roll a survival comforting. check to see if you can learn anything else about these traps as you're familiar with this kind of thing. Um, okay, cool. I have, so, it's a 21. You are familiar with these kind of traps. You've seen them before. They are the sort of primitive traps that kobolds often lay on the paths that like wildlife crosses. You know, kobolds mm. are a variant of goblin, um, and so they they need like they're carnivores. They need meat to eat, and they will often try and like ensnare wildebeest and things like that. But they would probably not be averse to eating random travelers either. And if the traps are here, then a camp of kobolds cannot be that far away. Hmm. Uh, in that case, I believe that the safest way will be attempting to go around and somehow going around without running into the cobalt camp. That makes sense to me, at least. Um, yeah, I... Shadow Walker, I think we might need a bit more practice before we're ready for our first fight like this. Um, what... Do you think they know we're here? Right now? Um, Alan could roll a perception check or anyone who, who else wants to Lerideth is crouched down at the base yeah. of a tree um, kind of examining like the mechanism of one of the snares that would hoist the net up into the sky she says these look as though they are designed to be set and left for a long period of time and then checked if they make a noise or perhaps you know maintained once daily something like that 
I think it's likely, statistically speaking, that these will not be checked overnight. It seems most likely that if there is a camp of kobolds, they are probably resting and have posted a few lookouts. Okay, then, that, uh, that bodes well for us. Do we I just want to sneak, just sneak around? Yeah. Yeah. Can I? Um, oh, are they kind of like? Are they clearly visible? The traps. These tra- yeah. Uh, they're clearly visible to you and Fox, but no, they're fairly well hidden. They're disguised enough that wildlife would walk into them completely unknowing, but not disguised not enough that like, oh, these are clearly meant to kill humanoids, you know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we should find a, uh, a path around this, it seems. It seems if there's a pattern with this, if it's not just one area, does it cover a uh, maybe a shape of sorts? Is it like maybe almost surrounding where they may be? Well, I guess there's only one way to find out. Uh, Fox just kind of starts walking past the traps straight through. It, with an attempt to trigger them? No, an attempt to <laughs> step over them. Oh, okay. Yeah, you step over the traps, you get to the other side. You have to go extra slowly because of like the hobbling legs, so the moment really draws out for everybody else. I'm going to add the fifth die to the tension pool as they watch you like one step at a time, like pick your way through each square of the net that's laying across the path. You get stuck in a little bit of mud. You have to unstick your boot. Okay, you get your boot back out. You take another step through the net that's in the mud. But eventually you make it to the other side and nothing happens. See, easy as pie. Well, I think it's one after the other then. And Alan will will take his steps through. The remaining four of you, Laredith included, may all roll either acrobatics if you're trained in it dexterity if you're not or stealth if you're trained in it to navigate through this without setting off the trap the dc is a straight 10 these are not very well hidden have we had our second long rest yet or is this only after our first no this is the second day of travel so like you had a long rest you did one overnight oh yeah you have you've had a second long rest okay sweet so no more disadvantage exhaustion has worn off for you yeah i passed through no problem i got a 10 Let's go. <laughs> I am using my inspiration. Ooh, natural 20. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Big guy. Um, you not only make it across, you notice a couple of like disturbances in the trees to the side, and by pointing them out to Savage, between the two of you, you're able to identify, oh, the cobalt camp is probably this way. This seems like the little footpath that they would use to come and check on their snares. Mm. Are we going to uh, are we going to advance here, knowing that this may be the path to to the Cobalt Camp, or should we be continue on, knowing that this is also the entrance to the Cobalt Camp, and we should no, just we should, leave? I should say around. move on. I'd say we just continue on the path and and skirt the the camp entirely. We'll just be very quiet. Yeah. All right, let's do it then. Very quiet. We're going to make a collective stealth check. That means everybody rolls stealth, and then I'm going to take the average of the group. I got a 27. Let's go. 17. Okay. A five. Okay. (laughs) Did I roll disadvantage as having a stump leg? Sure. That makes sense. I didn't change my roll. (laughs) I got, uh, you said stealth? Yes. 19. Oh, yeah. So as a group, you are moving pretty stealthily through the the path here. You do not encounter any kobolds in your journeys. And 
it is not long in the rest of your, your travel there before you find yourselves at a pretty unique location. Before you stretches a lake, glassy and blue, almost glacial blue, that sort of pale blue, uh, reflecting the sky. It's surrounded by a tight crop of trees, and the mountain peak is just behind it. So we're at the very summit of a mountain here. You have reached one of the reservoirs that feed drinking water down to the city of Gaim. There is a single log cabin next to the next to the body of water. And as you are traveling overnight, this is near the end of your journey. So it's not dawn yet, but the sky is going from black to blue, kind of a, a dusky blue. And you see a little wisp of smoke trailing out of the log cabin. Someone's got a fire going. The water is completely still. There's no wind here. All of the trees are kind of blocking it from disturbing the lake. And so you can see a perfect reflection of the moon as it's setting behind you. And that's what you see. Um, well, it's quite refreshing to see something so peaceful and still as this. I don't know if it's worth our, do you, do you think it's worth our time to bother the person inside this cabin or we just continue on to Gaim? We, we're supposed to, at least by estimates, reach about there, um, by the, the end of this who, day of travel. The family who tend this, this reservoir will be here on behalf of the city-state of Gaim. So if we speak to them, there must be a trail or a path that supplies are brought up to them monthly, weekly, something like that, and maybe they can point us in that direction. Perfect. But I Honestly, believe finding a well-traveled path is a, is a much more expedient way to find ourselves in Gaim. I was that, about to say that we should do the same. Um, I mean, at the very least, we're, we need to be able to talk to authorities as quickly as possible. Big guy starts walking towards the shack after hearing Larry to say that. Okay. Well. You get to the shack first then. The you know, there's a warm glow of, of candlelight from inside. The wooden timbers laid horizontally and, and and perpendicular kind of stacked on top of each other to form the walls and there's a big old wooden door that's been made from some birch. Wait, knock, b- knock, big knock. guy. All right, he's already knocked on the door. Three big thumps as the big orc knocks on the door, and you hear inside a, what What was that? And someone kind of trips or falls or something. There's a little bit of a clatter of pots and pans inside, and then someone standing up, kind of rustling, pulling their clothes together, getting themselves all ready, and then they walk over to the door. You hear the footsteps heavy on the wooden floor. Doom, doom, doom. So they walk over, and then the old wooden door is pulled back on its hinges and before you is a hardy looking hill dwarf with gray hair that kind of streaks back it's thinning just a little bit he's got a little bald patch on the top of his head and he's got a beard that reaches the whole way down to his feet that he probably tripped on just now when you surprised him <laughs> and he says well there uh, big guy uh, what uh, can i help you from the back, hey, uh, we... kind of out of view, you hear someone yell, Donnie, what's going on up there? Did we meet before? How do you know my name? <laughs> hmm. Your name is Big Guy? Yeah. You tall folk are weird. <laughs> uh, uh, Earl, is, is there's some strange orc up here. He says his name's Big Guy. What uh, what what brings you here so um, <clears throat> early in the morning? 
we've just been traveling across the mountain, and uh, we we were Moria. Um, yeah, and that's that's when uh, Alan is kind of like <laughs> Fox helping, is heard, like, helping, least... yeah, yeah, <laughs> helping yeah. Fox along and helping Laird and like 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 all right, uh, and they kind of show up behind. You're gonna uh, so scare the man. Zoth is blocking the door as it's a dwarf cabin. So Zoth is blocking uh. the door, or Big Guy is blocking the door fully. But you see, like next to the Big Guy's waist, just a little dwarf head pokes out. Like, oh, there are Moria. What? Uh, how'd you get up here? The, we didn't see anyone come up the the path. What? Big Guy, you're scaring them. Get get away from the door. I'm not scaring them. We ain't them. scared of nobody. We we live up here by ourselves. We see, you know, we got puma, we got wildcat, we got mountain lions, we got mm. cougars, we got, we got all sorts of cat up here. We, we ain't scared of stuff. All right. Well, we have a sorry. lot of pets. We, um, I, <laughs> they're not our pets, son. No. I, I didn't want to assume that you would be. I just, I did. I think it's rude. I, I look at big guy. Um, now, I, uh, we are looking to seek uh, asylum. Well, really, asylum. for someone on someone's behalf, uh, we we have our business headquarters here. But wait, so are yeah, you we... refugees or are you citizens with a business? Business, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we we are we are heading back down the mountains from uh, a very complicated uh, scenario that came up uh, on the other side of the range. Um, but uh, we are headed into Gaim because, as uh, as he did say, yes, we we have had a, a hard journey, but we are heading back to check in with our business headquarters. Four guys, ventures and vibes. Perhaps you've you've heard of us. Nope. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we we uh, were just wondering what was the most direct supply route um, back down to the city, just just so that we could, we we were very tired and we we're hoping to end our our traveling um, by the end of today, just to get get some rest again. Don't you worry, old Earl Patterson. He'll get you down there nice and easy. You know, we got we got a path that they send supplies up each month. We can just send him down with you. Uh, he'll he'll walk you down and get you to the the, the gatehouse at the outside of the uh, city state. There. This is just some of their drinking water. So if you're thirsty from your long journey or whatever, you can feel free to drink some right out. It's spring water. You know, it's it's real good. It's good for you. Just you know, don't throw anything in there, or we'll have to kill you. <laughs> and he hoists an axe onto his shoulder. Just kidding. <laughs> That's just my little joke. We will beat the crowd out of you though and he <laughs> turns dare. around and heads back into the house to like finish his morning coffee and he goes i'll get earl out here to give you some directions earl earl get up you old lummox <laughs> earl's the old one this like graying balding dwarf says <laughs> <laughs> uh that is perfect thank you so much we greatly appreciate it fox laughs at what he believes is a joke <laughs> <laughs> Uh, after a little while of maybe having some drinking water or whatever, Earl Patterson does kind of stumble out, and he sure is the old one. Uh, where the dwarf you met, Donnie, at the door, he was kind of thinning hair with a little bald spot. Uh, Earl, the only hair Earl has is coming out of his ears, and he's <laughs> got these like you know he's got the the kind of twinkly old person eyes and the crinkly face of a man who laughs a lot. And he comes towards you. He's got a walking stick that he's kind of using to keep his grip in the mud. He walks over and he goes, all right, who needs some help finding direction? You lot, you're the only people up here. Who am I talking about? Okay. Oh, wow. You need uh, to you... find your way to Gaim, right? Just come on this way. You got a path we can walk on down if you're ready. Do you need some food first? I can have Lara Beth whip something up for you if you need something to eat before we head on down to Gaim. Uh, I mean, if that's an option... 
that, person that is, is down there. Laura Beth, what's some up? Let's, let's make some breakfast. Pancakes. Let's have some pancakes, Laura Beth. Y'all like pancakes, right? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Do you need help? With Making the pancakes? Nah, Lara yeah. Beth's a pancake pro. And he turns around and hobbles back towards the, the cabin. The only reason you don't get there before him is out of respect. You don't overtake his hobble. You make it back <laughs> to the cabin. Uh, you have to like you know, kind of crouch and meander to get into the cabin, but they, the Pattersons refuse to hear of it that you would eat outside. And they're like, ah, get on in here. Get on in here. Uh, Earl Patterson, you know, bringing you on in. Um, you you walk into the cabin and indeed there are some pancakes for you and they're fine they're plain but you know they're they're pancakes they're made properly if not exquisitely it's good home cooking though you know seasoned yeah, with love nice. of course um, you Yo. you have some nice spring water some pancakes get y'all energized for life. your day and because you kept your overnight schedule it's actually morning so uh, you're going to be heading down in the light to the city of Gaim. Are you doing anything else before you head on down to Gaim? Just small no. talk. All right. Well, I'm I'm not going to roll for small talk. So yeah, you're uh, <laughs> roll for small talk. <laughs> yeah, roll f- on a scale from from East Coast to Midwest. How much small talk is there? Uh, <laughs> you know, how long do you have to say goodbye before you can exit the premises? Here? <laughs> you okay? So you head down the path towards Gaim. Earl Patterson uh. leaves you at the top of a long tunnel. That tunnel is marked over the top of it with a very ornate sign basically saying, you know, welcome to Gaim, Gaim this way. And it's not like a sign that's painted. It's like gemstones have been carved into each letter and then mounted to the face of this tunnel, kind of outlining the the entrance to it. And the tunnel itself stretches down for a pretty long way. You actually lose track of how long you've been walking down this tunnel before you finally make it to the sort of gatehouse area outside of Gaim. And these are kind of like a buffer area. So you're in this tunnel. There's sort of a rounded, it's almost like a lobby. There's a little sort of one room cave thing that's been hollowed out. And there's a gatehouse built into the side of it where you could imagine a guard standing to like take a record of you and who you are, who might record down the types of weapons that you're carrying, who might give you, you know, pages of passage for the city, note the purpose of your visit, things like that. There is also running water here. It's just trickling in a vertical flow. So it's almost like a hole in the wall with a waterfall in it. You know, like it's water that's running down gravity fed to the rest of the city, but here you could get some clean drinking water if you needed it. However, right now the guardhouse is empty. There are two large stone doors on the other side of the room that presumably lead to the city proper, but they are closed at the moment. You don't see a lock on them. Alan is going to draw the scimitar of speed in one hand and the Eldritch Cannon in the other. Um, They might just be taking a break. Big guy like Pocus. Savage is going to do a thing because in this situation, I feel like I'm going to react exactly like Alan. Um, Can I? Oh, I can finally do this now. Because big guy's here. Um, can I? I'm gonna uh, do detect magic. Okay. Cast some detect magic. See what's going on. If there's anything fishy. All the magic you're detecting is coming from the people around you, like it's oh, your party. Oh. oh, okay. Well, that's good at least. Uh, big guy's gonna poke his head in and look. Alan's gonna literally. Alan, Alan's gonna literally like put out an arm and go. <laughs> what are you doing? Going to luck. We, right. <laughs> we I'm gonna go together. check out the guard guard shack real quick hobble over 
Okay. Oh, Alan, Alan, me, but not him. Alan's like trying to hurt cats right now. He's, I'm going like, to Fox, Fox. Fox, we moved together. Yeah. We're fine. All right. I stick with Fox just because I feel like Savage feels like he needs just somebody with him. Okay. We're taking we a all break. Move, uh, we all move up together. Yeah, everyone like... sort of waddles in place and like, <laughs> Alan kind of acts like a goalie and kicks you all back into the center of the circle. Um, <laughs> Uh, Fox, you're able to get a glimpse in the guardhouse where the guard should be. You don't okay. see the guards in the gatehouse, but even weirder, you can see the tablet on the back wall, the stone tablet where they would write in chalk like the watch schedule, and there's nobody from the city watch scheduled to be in the guardhouse at this time, despite it being the middle of the day and presumably the city being open, like the Pattersons assumed you would be able to get in. But there's, it's not just empty. It's not like they stepped away. There's nobody on the schedule right now. Uh, is there, is there, is, is Earl still with us? When's the next person supposed to arrive on the schedule? There isn't one. Oh, there just is no schedule, period. Like today is, so you can see the overnight watch oh, and then it ends at like eight in the morning and there's just no one scheduled to be <clears throat> in the guardhouse today. What about next day? The next day there are people scheduled to be in the guardhouse. Oh. Okay. So it's like a day off. Okay. Um, okay. Did the guide take us all the way down here, or did he just show us the way? No, the guide just pointed you in the right direction, oh, and then okay. you kind of came. I mean, they walked you to the the top of the tunnel. They did not come the whole way down hey, to the guardhouse. Josh. Yes. Are like, would I be familiar with any sort of gime holidays or customs? Like, right. could I roll a history or something? Uh, you could roll an insight check to try and figure out what's going on here. You okay. could roll a... You're not really familiar with Gaim. You haven't been here before except for like okay. the one company retreat. Yeah. So, I'll roll inside then. Okay. That is an 11. Okay. Um, you don't really have any idea why there would be no one in the guardhouse despite it supposedly being open. Do we just push forward then? I think we should proceed, gentlemen. I'm adding the sixth uh, die to the tension pool. Ooh. So I'm going to clear the tension pool. We've made it all the way here, right? Isn't this comes your out goal? of event. <laughs> yes, yes, this is this is our goal. I, I don't argue that we shouldn't push forward. I just think we should push forward cautiously. Uh, Zoth, if you do want to peek through the, the door. Oh, big guy, if you do want to peek <laughs> through the door. Um, I, I'll let's let's do that now, I guess. I'll peek through the door then. Okay. A uh, couple things happen. First, as you reach for the door you feel like the rod you've attuned to is reaching out and trying to grasp at the corners of your mind. Roll a wisdom save with a DC of 12. Ooh. This isn't a good ooh. This is a bad ooh. Uh, 23. <laughs> 23? Yeah. Okay, you pass. If this happens again, the DC will go up to a 14. Um, okay. But yeah, so you feel like something is grasping at your mind and you like shut it back down. You're like, I, you know, look at me. I am your general now and kind of shut yeah. it back down. Um and then you crack open the door. And this is your first glimpse of Gaim proper. Nobody is on the other side of the door waiting for you. The, the way is clear, at least in that respect. Stretching away from you is a huge bridge. It's wide enough for two carts to pass side by side and then foot traffic next to them. And then it has some railings. The whole bridge is made out of stone. As you kind of look around the area, you realize that this entire cavern is the city of Gaim. It is ringed on the outside 
with residential buildings. So the homes are built into the walls of the cavern. And then there are these huge hanging structures, which you remember from your last visit are called pendants. And these pendants are where all of the like real estate for commercial stuff would be. So there might be a pendant with a bunch of smithies on it. And there might be a pendant with a bunch of um, general goods stores. And there might be a pendant with other things. Um, these are all connected by a network of these huge bridges that stretch the whole way across. Leaning over the side, you can realize that these bridges are constructed like huge aqueducts with great arches underneath of them acting as supports that stretch the whole way down to the base of the cavern. You are on what's called Tier 10, the highest tier of the city of Gaim. Every hundred feet going down from you, there is another tier before we reach the base. So the bridges are currently a hundred feet tall to get to where you are. Each tier below is anchored to the bridges above it. So the pendants for tier nine are hanging from the bridges of tier 10 and then connected by their own little network of bridges. Here on tier 10, you, again, see this great big bridge stretching away from you, and this one just connects to one pendant, like out ahead of you. From that pendant, you can go in a number of different directions. It would probably be helpful if someone had a map or directions for you, but again, there's no one in the gatehouse. So at yeah, the and moment... Yeah, and there's no one around here either. Yeah. Is there any papers or paperwork or forms in the gatehouse? Uh, I don't know. No one actually went into the gatehouse. You just looked through uh, the window of it. Okay. You would have to like crawl through the window to get in. Like it's oh, you know, it's okay, built into mind. the wall of the the yeah, room. Yeah. Alan's gonna get close to Laredith and just like make sure that if any if anything springs out that he's he's guys. Her. It looks to be okay. Uh, it it looks to me to be a ghost town, which I'm not sure if that's what I expected or if it's okay. Yeah, it, if we look down, can we see any commotion going on? Yeah, there's lots of people moving on the lower oh. tiers. You can oh. see big carts going side by side, presumably pulling supplies. People like dwarves mounted on horseback are riding through. And you can also see, as you look more fully at the, at the space or at the city, you can see that each tier is connected to the ones below it and above it in two different ways. Um, at the residential walls, like if you go the whole way to the outside edge of the city the cardinal directions, northeast, south, and west, there's a kind of spiral staircase that goes down to the next tier, and then you would go back out onto the bridges. There's also one huge ramp that starts at north, like 12 o'clock, and goes the whole way across to um, 6 o'clock, and so that's like one big descending plane. So like for carts to traverse from, you know, tier 10 down to tier nine, they would need some kind of ramp. That's what this is. And the ramp is long enough that there's no danger of a runaway cart. Like it's not that steep. So those are the ways that you would connect from one to the other. And you can even see like there are some carts going up and down the different ramps and moving around. Like it's an active city. The noise of uh, industry and people talking and such kind of floats up to you. You can see different smoke, you know, bits coming out of homes. Like it's, it's, a, it's a live city. Stuff is happening here. It's just that this bridge and the pendant ahead of it seem completely deserted. And you can't really see any further into tier 10 than that because of the you know, obstructions of, of the walls. What tier is our headquarters on? Tier 10. Again. Okay. Well, well, let's proceed forward. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Uh, and he'll, Alan will turn to Laredith and just say, I, since we're already entering on the same tier as our headquarters, um, I think what the smart route to be would be first stop at, uh, four guys, adventures and vibes, vibes 
headquarters, let um, our business operations officer um, know the situation and warn everyone about what's happening and then get you to the queen. Does that make sense? Yes, that that seems that seems like a logical course of action. Perfect. Cool. Um, Big guy will start walking through. Yeah. All right. Let's let's head towards the the headquarters. Is big guy in front? Yeah. All right. Big guy's in front. And that makes sense because big guy filled out the paperwork. So he would know the address of the four guys um, (laughs) headquarters. Unfortunately, you don't know the actual layout of the city. So it does take a little while of wandering. You get to one pendant and you find it filled with different shops. Um, Little, you know, gnome people are leaning out of their their storefront and trying to sell you stuff. Amulet for your protection. As if you didn't read already know that magic doesn't work. You know, it's kind of shady stuff going on. And you do notice that it's like dingy and and it's dirty up here. Fox, you notice yep. um, some weird markings on the ground as you're going around this pendant, this particular cluster of buildings. There, It's almost like red chalk has been used to inscribe like a, a striking viper on the ground. Is it weird? It, yeah, it, well, it's thieves can't. So... It looks it, it looks a lot to you like a gang might be marking territory. Yeah. Um I'm going to be like <clears throat> cuz I'm probably pulling up the back. Um I'm going to come up to whoever's right in front of me like we should we should uh keep it moving and try not to draw attention to ourselves in this uh this area. What do you think I'm doing? I'm trying to get us to our HQ. Well, uh do it quicker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be, t- I feel like in the, the situation, I'm taking up the rear. I'm going to be like right behind Alan, who's right behind, I guess, Fox and Zoth. Al- Alan's staying close to, to Laredith. Two or three pendants well. go by, and eventually you find yourselves in one labeled Crystal Alley. Crystal Alley is one of the largest pendants on tier 10, and it couldn't be less crystal if it was made of water. It's ruddy <laughs> clay brick and packed dirt storefronts that are mostly boarded up and abandoned, despite being like mere minutes away from well-trafficked stores on some of the other nearby pendants that form a kind of shopping mall. This one is, it's, it's all boarded up and it's covered in those gang signs, Fox. Um, as, you, <laughs> as you cross this pendant whoa, whoa, to the whoa, other whoa. side, you see the next pendant over has a different gang sign on it. This one's marked with white chalk, and you can't tell exactly what it is, but it looks like maybe a, a letter in Dwarvish, um, you know, of some kind. But you can't you can't quite make it out from this far away. Where where where's our where's our headquarters? It's 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 like uh, two four more pendants down. We just gotta keep going. All right. Well, everybody, uh, act like you somewhat belong, and let's let's keep moving. The big guy just keeps going. As you're walking, the few people you do see as you're going through Crystal Alley, like they see you coming, they hurriedly like get back inside their doors and shut their doors so that they're not outside. You are at the edge of Crystal Alley. And there's this bridge stretching away from you, leading to the other side of Crystal Alley where the other gang signs are. And as you're over there, kind of taking it in, Zoth is like, yeah, I think it's that way. You hear some footsteps behind you. Um, Savage, your keen like hunter's instincts pick up on it first. You spin around and you find four people approaching you, four humans. They're each wearing sort of grubby clothes, street urchin type outfits, 
And the one in the front goes, well, 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 boys, what do we have here? Looks like somebody's trying to pass right through Red Viper territory and they didn't even stop to pay the toll. What's your business here, strangers? And the other three people with them kind of fan out and you can see that they're holding like clubs and bats and that kind of stuff. I'm going to hobble and wrestle my way up to the front. <laughs> Inside your head, you hear, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I would be very careful where you walk if I were you, hop along. And he kind of nods to the, the sides of the street, and you can see there are, like, more shadowy figures kind of waiting in the wings of side alleys. All right. Let's, 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 cut, let's cut all the chat, all right? Listen, uh, you you wanna you wanna extort us, right? First of all, if you wanted to do it as a toll, uh, sorry not to tell you how to do your job. Maybe you should have put somebody uh, requesting said toll somewhere earlier before we're about to leave. Nobody's behind. I ch- double check. Is anybody behind us <laughs> blocking the? On, on the, the bridge? other side of the bridge, you see one old man who's like. It seems to you like he's poked his head out of a window to like. Oh no, someone's gonna die. Like he's watching, you know, watching, <laughs> watching it all go down. But you, you know, he's not approaching you or anything like sure, that. Sure, he doesn't sure. seem to be part of the gang. What you've identified is there are these four guys in front of you. There are four people to your left, and there are four people to your right. Basically, all kind of closing in. So the only place to go is back onto the bridge, like leading further into into Gaim. So you've basically waited until we've passed all the way through your territory put our backs out of your territory and now you want to try to extort us on top of that i mean like come on brother we i'm not i'm not a red viper or nothing but i i I, i've been in that place before and i I don't mean to tell you man you're just not you're not doing a good job of it so if you want to have a talk we can have a talk but you ain't extorting us the viper leader kind of looks to the guys to the left and right of him and he goes well excuse me this guy seems like a bit of an expert. We didn't realize you represented someone else. Perhaps we need to show you how it works around Gaim. And he nods to his boys and three of them step forward and immediately like line up the shot at you like they're going to start hitting you. As that happens, the old man from the other end of the bridge yells out at them. Hey, 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 hey. I told you this is our turf. I don't care about your duty, duty little red box everywhere. Quit making it straight. I'm going to put you in. I'm putting you in your place. And he starts walking. Old man, you do not want to do this. You don't want to go down this road. Old man wants to do it. Old man, old man wants to do it. I... Boys, and the red vipers begin to kind of close in. So there's a wall of twelve of them in front of you, and just this old man walking down the bridge on behind you, walking towards you. All right, guys, I'm gonna be honest. We can't let an old man save us from this. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, he, and the old man, he's wearing these. He's wearing these really baggy, almost like MC Hammer pants, but they're like like a light brown linen. Um, and his uh, his skin is is dark white and the closer he gets you can see it's it's kind of scaly and he has horns on his dragonborn head and they almost kind of curl out like really crazy hair and one of his eyes is like 
you know, you're not sure if it's one's bigger or the other one's smaller, but he's kind of got like this this crazy wild Popeye look to him, and these big chin spikes. And on his back, he has this big this big wrapped up bedroll, and then right next to it, there's this massive gourd just tied to him, and uh, <laughs> gourd. like, like and uh, and he's he's wearing these these sandals that are made of wood that have like these two wooden teeth. If you're familiar with. Japanese geta sandals, and so he's got like oh, this little no. clip, clop, clip, clip, clop as he's as he's kind of hunched over. Oh yeah, and he starts rolling up his sleeves and he starts unbuttoning his his like little flowy shirt that he's got, and he's like, "Oh, let's do it. We're going to do it." Red Viper number one leans his bat over his shoulder and he goes, "Old man, you don't want to get involved in this. What are you? What are you supposed to be, huh? Who do you think you represent?" If you don't know who I represent, it ain't even worth telling you. You're just gonna be a memory soon. You're not one of the, <laughs> you're not one of the Twiggies, are you? They, he, for the first time, Red Viper number one looks a little uncertain. You're, you're not one of the Twiggies, are you? And he just starts grinning and whistling a tune. <laughs> okay, whoa, 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 whoa! The the, the group's like, hey, let's let's back off here for a second, and they kind of step back. Look, look. Uh, oh, you know now what? You're how scared. about how about yeah, this? Now just, you're scared. Uh, look, we don't need to. Oh, we, we, we don't need to escalate this here. Why don't you just crack his shoulders and just twist his neck a little bit? Oh yeah. Hey, hey why don't oh, we just? Yeah. You know what? This seems like a misunderstanding. Are these 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 travelers are with you then? Oh, maybe. I, I have never seen more clearly. Never seen I, more clearly in my I, life. I, I, no, I'm Here we go. You're not seeing it right. And by the, as as he gets to the end of the bridge, the red vipers have like completely flipped the script. They're like, look, look, we we actually we we need to make a, a payment to to the, the to your your boss. Here, look, we we brought some some stuff. You know, just the just to help keep oh, the streets look, clean. They're so generous they with their contributions. Down. That's right, because you know whose turf this is. That's right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, this didn't include commission. You need to include commission. Roll intimidation <laughs> with advantage. <laughs> uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a 17 on the die. Intimidation plus four, 21. You, you're absolutely right. Comm commission. Here, uh, how about this? This is, this is a really nice bat. It was made by one of the Smiths down on, down on the uh, on, on Malarkey that Circle. You could just Yeah, I don't <laughs> think that covers... 20% commission. 20% com I, I mean... Oh. Savage is going to walk up and was like, we'll take all of them. <laughs> all of the bats. That, all right, boys. Just just give it to him. And we're just, let's let's get out of here. And the red vi 12 red vipers face with today. one old man lay down their various weapons. Uh, Savage, I guess, add to your inventory 18 bats and two clubs wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> if you can carry all that. If you can find a way to carry it home, you can add that to How your many? inventory. 18, 18 bats. bats and two clubs wrapped in barbed wire. <laughs> okay. And you now left alone as the Red Vipers kind of like clear out. You are now alone on the bridge with this weird old guy. All right, old oh, man. Who, who, who in the world are you? I'm what sorry. Is, what I'm, is happening here? I'm asking the questions here, Mr. Smokyfoot. What are you guys <laughs> doing here on my turf? Uh, we're I, just trying to get to our place of establishment. I'm going to say that the camera zooms out as Fox looks at the bridge we're standing on and left and right. Like, do you own the bridge or is there an actual toll? Do I look like <laughs> a troll to you? I'm not a troll. 
Can you help <laughs> us get to this address? I think we might be a little bit lost. Let me see that. He snatches your paper away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you... Do, it, do any of you read Common? Yes. <laughs> Can uh... you read this for me here, please? <laughs> <laughs> I will read out the address. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And he kind of gives you a little bit of an eye. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll show you where it is. Oh, perfect. All Thank right. you so much. What's what's your name? We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, we, we do thank you for helping us out of a, a, a bind there. I Oh, that I was nothing. Bind. They're a bunch of pansies. They, they talk really big. They talk really big, but you slap them up a couple times. You know, you make their ears bleed a few, few times. They, they don't bother nobody. <laughs> they 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 try to be big. Everybody's kind of battling for the ground. This isn't even my turf. I just th- I just like to yell at them and, and knock them <laughs> up a little bit. And so wait, uh, you what's, know, what's the deal with these different games? <clears throat> well, you know, when when young men have idle hands and too much time, they just get the notion that they want to boss people around. I mean, ladies too. I don't want to be uninclusive, but <laughs> seems to be that you know they just I don't know. This is just kind of like the. I'm actually new here. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been here for very long. But wait, uh, that, so are we? As this old man is leading you to presumably the address you gave him, uh, you, you're crossing a couple of pendants that are between you and there, and people are doing the same thing as you approach. They turn away, they go back into their shops, but this time as he goes by, you hear them all say, Mr. R. Good day, Mr. R. Hey, Mr. R. And they like, you know, are kind of being sort of generous and, and deferent to him mm-hmm. as he walks by. Um, We're going to take this little back alley. Somebody pooped in the main road the other day. <laughs> Doesn't sound like you're new here. Everyone seems to know you. He leads you down a grubby back alley where a lot of the smithies and forgers have kind of created their shops. And so there's these big gouts of flame as they push the bellows. They kind of wait, wait, wait. Can I... roar across the path in front of you. What's Can up, I Fox? insight to make sure that he didn't just, we just didn't, you know, jump out of the frying pan into the fire with this one. Sure. <laughs> Can I roll insight to detect his doubting of my capabilities? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's a natural 20. You know. <laughs> that's, that's, I got a 14. Confirmed. What'd you get, Fox? 14. Got it. I just stop in my tracks and turn around. Now listen here, Smoke Toes. <laughs> I know this place like the back of my hand. And I know the back of my hand better than I know common. <laughs> um, uh, all right, all due respect, that wasn't a very high bar. Um, <laughs> Fox, and, he like, seems I, legit to you as far as you can tell. He seems like he probably does know where he's going and is leading you to that address. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out with who you are, all right? That's that's all. I may be new, but I got a mind like a steel trap. If you're new, how does everyone know you? Because 
I'm a force to be reckoned with. As, clearly. as you ask this question, again, you're walking down this alley with these gouts of flame as the bellows are being f- pushed in the forge, the forges, smithies and things. And one guy who's like covered in soot, has got his overalls on, his tool belt. Alan, you recognize a smith. He walks out and he hands an absolute bundle of wingle digits, probably a hundred greater wingle digits. He hands to Mr. R, who's leading you. And he goes, hey, these are for the boss. I got, I got the next wages ready for him. And he just hands them to you. And uh, turns around and goes, thanks again for the protection. And he turns back not, and not goes a problem, back inside. Um, you continue mm. walking. And on the other end, you finally find yourselves at the address. Number 10, Malarkey Circle. Malarkey Circle is the outer ring of a 10th tier pendant. And it's particularly meh looking real estate. A couple of vacant buildings. There's a small one room dojo belonging to a swordsman who never makes eye contact and speaks exclusively in rapid Wheatlish despite being a human. Uh, and also the Four Guys Ventures and Vibes headquarters. And as you get to the door, which has a chalk marking, Fox, you recognize the chalk marking on the door. It's that same rune that you saw on the other side of the bridge marking another gang's territory. You push open the door, and inside... All right, I'm going to show you the boss. <laughs> he, he leads you inside the door. No. The door does not seal to the edges. It's got like mouse holes dug into it. Inside, there's a small lobby area with no furniture in it at all. As you continue proceeding in, there are a couple of offices on the left and right side of a single corridor marked Zal, Randy, Jeffrey, and Marcy. And at the end of the hallway is a surprisingly high quality steel bank vault door that would challenge Fox even if you had both legs in unlimited time. On top of it, a tiny absolutely DIY sign that's like made from some scrap paper and chalk says, yeah, the bass master. Uh, yes. <laughs> Your escort. Hey boss, we got a couple visitors. Inside, you hear like a ka-ching, 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 click, 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 as the bank vault gets unlocked from the other side and it swings open and there's a dragonborn standing at attention next to the door who's got like on dark sunglasses and he's standing with his eyes at attention and at his feet with a little piece of uh, like steel bolt sticking out of his mouth like a cigar <laughs> is yeah the Mykonid. Yeah, the Mykonid has turned into a Mykonid sovereign in his time away from you. He walks forward, and before even acknowledging you, he floats a few spores up into the air, and you hear his calm voice go, Radford, I've been waiting on tribute from the Smithies District. Were you able to collect it? Absolutely, boss. And I hand the coins to the the other dragonborn. Uh, Here you go. Just like normal. The dragonborn. So ecstatic. Starts run, just booking it for for yeah. The dragonborn takes the coins, sees sees big guy run towards yeah, drops the coins, and steps in front to body check him. You have never been on the ground so fast in your life, big guy. He just steps in and in one fluid motion elbow checks you in the face, puts you on the ground. And he goes, Do not run towards the master. He is the boss. And he crouches down and goes, Do you have weapon? And begins like kind of going over your body and looking for a weapon before the calming voice of Yeah, the Mykonid and all of your heads goes, It is okay. These are the founders of Four Guys Ventures and Vibes. Welcome to our headquarters. And the dragonborn stands you up, goes, very sorry, sir, very sorry. And he steps That's back cool. from you. And yeah, looks I, over. <laughs> yeah, looks over at you specifically and goes, but who is this one? 
And who is that one? Laredith is just kind of bemused watching from the back of the group. I would say Alan's going to like close the door behind once Laredith enters. So that way we have a little bit of privacy. Uh, I, I, I don't, uh, it is great to see you again, uh, again. Yeah. Um, before we get nice into, to see you also, I before was we get in that Jebediah would be with you. Well, that's what I was going to, to, to let you know. And Alan's going to kind of like kneel down to, uh, yeah. And, um, he's going to even like take off his, his glasses and look at, yeah. And just say, before we get into, um, what else has happened? I just wanted to let you know that. Jeb has been taken by the Abeleths. Yaz, you know, low expression, level face, kind of kind of plant-like, looks up at you. His beady little black eyes from beneath the new crown of a Myconid Sovereign looks up and he seems to be processing for a second. And then he snaps his little fingers once and the Dragonborn holds up a... Um, clay vase. Yeah, the Mykonid pulls a revolver out of his pocket and shoots it, and then he it like shatters, and then he puts the revolver away and he goes, I'm learning new ways to deal with emotions. <laughs> <sighs> it's been a process. <laughs> um, this- um, I'm, I'm, I'm big guy, you know? We, I found you, you know? We're companions. No, I was found by an orc named Zothkug. Who was a cleric of Kelnor? I do not know you. I I know that we left with you from that whole like thing that happened at that base, but like, yeah, who who are you? I'm a big guy. I we started the adventure together. You and me left um our hometown. I left with Zoth, not you. I don't I don't know who Zoth is. Yeah, the name feels weird as you hear it. I don't know who Zoth is, but I I definitely left hometown with with you, and and I'm also an orc cleric of of Kelnor. I uh, oh yes, I see your symbol now. You are a uh, you're a, you're a professor of the chill, yes? Y- yeah, I'm I'm big guy. Um, and okay, and I, I, okay. got, I got the the plant that from when we <laughs> met each other still, and you showed me how to care for it. And I should take off the pot and show him the plant. This is a remarkably I mean, kind of... similar plant to the one that I gave to Zoth. How do we know that you did not kill Zoth and take his place? I don't know who Zoth is. We did. I we mean, did he kind of fits Zoth. this description, boss. But uh, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of orcs out there. Uh, come you want me to, to rough him up it. a little bit and well, see if he's telling the truth? I don't think that will be necessary, Radford. Okay. Uh, come to think of it, we did lose track of Zoth once we entered the Feywild. What's a um, Feywild? Well, can Alan roll like Arcana or something to like see if that if if that rings any bells? Of, roll like, history. Okay. okay, history. Cool. Uh, um, Mr. R, have you have you ever done drugs? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, if you have and you've taken uh, hallucinogenics that make you see in an entire different world, that's the Feywild. These, these words have absolutely no recollection to any past, present, or future experiences that I've been through. So that is very informative, and I will, uh, I will put that in my pocket for later. Laredith, who just rolled a nat 20 on her inside check, leans forward and goes, I think he may still be high just as an after effect. Just a little bit. 
Why don't you a little bit? <laughs> Can you describe to me the symptoms you experienced? She pulls out a notepad. Oh, no. Okay. Um, um, well, first you get a little, a little off balance. And then your tongue feels really big. Really big. I call it big tongue. And then, uh, and then your scales like start to itch only at the tips of them, though. Which is strange because it's normally very dull there, and uh, and then uh, and then like you you my my mouth gets cold, <laughs> like in the back. But I've never done this before, so obviously that like that would that would that's what would happen if it did, <laughs> but uh, but since it hasn't, um, yeah. Of course, of course. And uh, which drug would you be hypothetically taking in this scenario? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, anyway. um, Alan got a 17 on history when it came to thinking about the Feywild, yeah. Alan, you begin putting the pieces together, which is enough for us to give Zoth his first roll to remember his (laughs) name. Zoth, roll a. Let's. That's probably wisdom to get your name back. No intelligence. Um, oh, this uh, would be like I, book smarts, an actual memory. It's. It is documented, uh, or it is often theorized that one of the tricks that uh, creatures of the Feywild can pull is is uh, wagering a name. Did is it is it possible that that we did wager uh, our names? That is a seven. <laughs> yeah. Huh. But, I don't. I I have no idea what you're talking about. I just know the experiences I've had. I don't know the Sothka guy. I've just. No. All right. Uh, needless you. to say, yeah, this guy helped us get out. That is true. He he seems to have proven to be a, a force for good in our scenario. What happened to your leg? Uh, oh, um, it's not a host monkey like that. So actually, yeah, that was actually. I, I wanted to ask you something. <laughs> Um, so how, how, when, when did this all happen? When did what happen? Um, don't let him muscle you, boss. Ask about the leg. He's changing the subject. (laughs) Bradford, that's enough. Um, yeah, that's enough. You become a mob, a mob boss. Yeah, you've, you've, you've got, uh, you've done very well for yourself. Um, if you, if you don't mind me saying, uh, when I, when I left, you were, a lot more naive, and and now you're running a, a a very successful business that I'm not sure is part of Four Guys Ventures and Vibes or not. <laughs> well, we have to train our dungeoneers somehow. I am creating peace. I agree. I think you've done great. I I, I, I think tiers, you did amazing. The upper tiers of Gaim are often neglected places, so. I decided that the best way to create a habitat that would foster a healthy company's growth was to ensure that peace would arise. And the only way to stop the violence was to outdo it. So Mm. we have created a sort of um, clan-like presence for ourselves (laughs) here in the the upper tier. (laughs) And we have been slowly working our way through the different gangs 
and beating them into submission until they allow four guys to continue growing in peace. Uh, Radford here part. has been, yeah, Radford here has been very instrumental in this process. Just last week, Radford took out several other gangs. We are down to just the Red Vipers and the Malarkey Circus. Took out in this instance, meaning unconscious and subdued, not death. Right, we delivered them to the City Watch. We find that it's dangerous for the City Watch to be involved because they have all of these, like, weird bureaucratic rules governing when they can intervene and when they can't, so it's much easier for us to simply pay them a little extra to step aside for a day, and then we go Uh and subdue a gang and then deliver that gang to the City Watch the next morning when they arrive for work. A tear. Oh, that explains it. Falls down Fox's eye. You have become a master (laughs) and on that note tonight's dungeons and dragons session comes to a close (laughs) oh my god hey this is radford you tell me you can watch these goofballs live every monday on hang on a second twitch.tv slash winged badger tavern oh i like those wait what it's not Tavern. Wing Badger Gaming? And I'm supposed to blame Jake for that. Okay. Jake, stop it. I love Wash's new character already. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, like, how are we gonna... I guess you're just gonna have to get used to playing two characters because we will rescue Jeb. And now the old man is a necessity. Yeah. Oh, I should stop recording.